Hey y'all, welcome to Big Fact Snowcap, the only show that's number one with Kendrick's minivan and all those stunting on the Instagrams. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts No Cap is filmed in front of a live studio audience. What's up, Paul? Hey, Adrian. How did that uh, hot date go last night, mister? You, You wouldn't believe it, Adrian. I actually invited two dates to the same restaurant at the same time. That sounds pretty wacky. So you had two girls at Applebee's? <laughs> and the presidential election was going on at the TV at the same time, so you could really say I had three dates that night. Democracy is my bitch. <laughs> alright, alright. That was pretty good. Got big sitcom energy on this one for some reason. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't get that. You that said way. you wanted to do an intro bit. You didn't prep me at all, and then I felt like it was on me a lot. <laughs> I thought you were you just staring at me for responses. <laughs> I was just, I was just being the best Kramer I could be. I feel like you never really initiated a conversation. You just reacted. You know, acting really is reacting, Paul. Yes, and <laughs> precisely. Yes, and <laughs> yes, and it's so crazy that we're on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is from Adrian, who's taken two improv classes. <laughs> two really? series saw... of improv classes. Oh, I was going to say, for some reason, I thought you took more, but it, they were series. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look at you now, big time and on a podcast. Oh, yeah. So um, I am back from staying with Doralee. This is my first episode recorded back in Davis. Just want to give my sister a quick shout out for having me for the week. It was very fun. Obviously, not something I talked about on podcast, but I definitely wasn't in a great space before I went up to Portland. And uh, Doralee causes a lot of emotions in me a lot of anger a lot of frustration a lot of confusion a lot of befuddlement by the things that she says and uh the wacky ideas she throws out uh but if there's one thing i'm not when i'm with my sister it's sad so it was a a a very therapeutic week for me and uh glad to see her nice nice so you did your traditional pee on her goodbye and just headed out i marked my territory (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's commented on that. I thought that would be a way bigger... Because uh... there's actually... Not to... Again, we're the only podcast that exists. But there is another podcast where, like, in a very surprising twist of uh, someone's history based on their character that they currently present, they told a story about getting drunk and peeing on someone's clothes in their, like, dresser. And that got brought up, like, every episode afterwards as, like, an inside joke. And, like, I don't know if this is going to be our... <laughs> uh adrian pees on his sister inside joke for every episode and there's also that story we told about somebody we know who peed in somebody's dresser that you cut from a previous episode yeah why did i cut that i actually have no issue with that being on the podcast did it just not make sense for the episode it's because then we also talked about that person (laughs) (laughs) it's gotta go again (laughs) this is not how to lose a man in 10 days i'm trying to i'm trying to maintain money and influence and uh, power and status but yeah it's kind of similar to uh 
how did this get made where they always talk about Paul Shear kissing his mom, which I think is a pretty funny reading. Oh, French story. kissing his mom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever Jason Van Zook is like, you went up and Frenched your mom. <laughs> God, I love Jason Van Zook. <laughs> he makes everything so fucking funny. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I guess that'll be my story for the pod, then. Whenever we have Misha on, I guess we'll have to figure out what she can dig up about old Paul, but... Oh, uh, nothing. I was a very respectful young man. Young Paul would never have walked around with a New York Crimes hat on. <laughs> Bump in his, uh, you know, West Coast hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, shout out to the New York Times. I mean, the Iraq War was, like, entertainment for ten years, so, I mean, gotta give them that. Thank you. Paper of record. Paper of record. The Grey Lady. Hmm. Paul, are you still drinking coffee, or are you not in fun time mode yet? It's it's coffee, and I'm about to go grab some uh, whiskey. Whiskey. Ooh, Dunkin'. little Irish coffee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great, great impressions from Paul. I'm gonna do one episode of Shrek, y'all. Wait, that that's gonna be a bonus app. So subscribe to the Patreon for <laughs> early access to that up. Um, speaking of which, I guess uh, I'll kind of hop into media roundup. Um. I, I don't have access to watch the full episodes, but clips of the Eric Andre show's new season have been coming out, and just as good as always. Like, everyone has the conversations around that show that, like, they have around Nathan for you, where it's like, well, now that he's so big, he can't do the show anymore. And it's like, ah, it's working just fine. <laughs> it's, uh, the ethos of the show is still there. <laughs> Always, like, sometimes the guests were in on the joke. It just means he has yeah, to absolutely. move more and more to that format. But if you watched the earlier seasons, like, through and through, it was always a mix of people who were in on it and people who weren't in on it. Yeah, absolutely. The ones of people in on it still worked. And also, the interviews were one segment. They were, like, not the majority of the show ever anyway. They yeah, the street the segments are the ones that have been coming out and that have been really good so far. Really, really funny. Oh, I guess you could make the argument for both, though, right? Yeah, but the street segment, like, I mean, as much as he's popular you're still always going to be fi- able to find people on the street who don't know you. That's not Sure. Like... And the big thing for this season is that he shaved his head, so he looks kind of weird and different. Mm. I mean, he kind of looks weird and different all the time. He, not a normal yeah, looking yeah, yeah. dude. Well, I mean, well, he's getting way hotter babes than us. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. What's her name who then ended up uh, dating... Uh, uh... Oh, Rosario, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, yeah he's Eskimo Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> so why awesome. does the media not talk about this more new york yeah, times just all the time actually my biggest issue with new york times it's not like <laughs> the starting the iraq war iraq war the racism the classism it's that nobody's talking about how eric andre is eskimo brothers with cory booker nobody is talking about that issue no one is interviewing rosario dawson to see what their different fuck styles are like <laughs> exactly i haven't seen the new york times take this up once uh yeah no uh that's uh, a very good point but also, yeah, I remember, like, last season, his thing was that he didn't shower for the entire, like, production time um, to, like, read out his guests. So he's always got something cooking up every season. Uh, so that's been fun. Um, speaking of, like, sitcoms and kind of the bit we were doing at the beginning, uh, I watched Thomas Middleditch's new sitcom on CBS. You've been on a big Thomas Middleditch kick recently. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, network TV is a dying medium and should go <laughs> ahead and just kill itself. Uh, shout out to all of the late night hosts that are going to lose their jobs now that Trump is in, not in office and we ain't got them jokes no more. How are you going to make fun of Joe Biden? Anyway, so I just wanted to give my uh, sincere condolences to them. But also, his new show, the theme song kind of slaps, though. So that's why I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Thomas Middleditch's new show's theme song. The art style uh, is pretty fun. Um nice. And then this will be the last episode that I talk about inside number nine, because as we speak, or as we were about to speak before this episode, uh, I'm finishing up the last episode. 
Uh, last episode's funny because it has a Black Mirror reference, which I thought was funny, <laughs> where he's explaining to an old lady. He's like, no, 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 this is inside number nine. That's Black Mirror that you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I wanted to shout out in the last uh, season, uh, the episode Misdirection, which is a, a, a an episode about um, like, you know, cl- sleight of hand magic tricks and two magicians or whatever. And I like it because I think like a lot of millennials, I fall into the trap of like, if I'm watching something on TV, I still am like on my phone while I'm watching it. And so it was very much an episode that from the beginning promised like, hey, if you watch and pay attention, you'll figure out things and like try and figure out how tricks work. And that's exactly what it was. It was a really fun ride with a really good twist. Very good episode. Uh, and then the new short uh, that just premiered on Adult Swim on uh, for Halloween. I know we're past spooky season uh, by this point, but uh, Opal by Jack Stauber. Very fun, creepy, claymation, mixed media uh, short. That was very good. My media roundup. Um, check out uh, Nelly's Country Grammar. Holds up. Okay. Otherwise, I haven't been doing anything with my week. Uh, All right. Oh, oh. Um, I it, this is like an anti-suggestion, but uh, you were talking about late night and the Seth Meyer show. You know John Mulaney. I, I I like John Mulaney. I like Seth Meyer. I don't like really any late night television, but if I had to pick like one of the hosts of a late night show, I like I like Seth Meyer as as a person and as a as a comedic actor i actually agree and i've been on record saying that before um and i definitely really like john mulaney i think his uh his stand-up has basically like slapped for each one of the specials he's put out including his audio only special incredibly Uh, consistent yeah yeah but boy oh boy no audience and them just talking is the least entertaining thing i've ever seen like they're legitimately just having a conversation John Mulaney's about like, how they want to be remembered when they die and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. John Mulaney's just like, have I ever hurt your feelings? And he's like, you know, no. But sometimes I was worried you were angry at me. And oh boy, it is just not compelling to watch at all. It is shit to your content. Um, um I-, I watched that uh, video while I was waiting for that train to pass when I was leaving Portland, and okay. uh, I was reading the comments, and I think the top comment really hit the nail on the head. He was like, "This is this has strong end of the world's <laughs> end of the world vibes." <laughs> yeah. It, 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 <laughs> It really does, and I think the reason I remembered it enough to feel like I needed to bring it up is that I think it made me depressed. I don't know what it was about that video, but it I was, had to talk to my therapist about that. It was incredibly off-putting in a way that I don't know how to describe, and I don't want any more of that content to ever be created. Um, yeah, here, here. Should we get into the theme for today? Yeah, yeah. Let's jump into the theme. Uh, Paul, how are we going to describe this one? Uh, uh, I uh, money, uh, class. Classism, money moves, cheddar, cream, lettuce, bread, chicken. Guap or guac for some reason. Yeah. I think because uh, guac is green and guap is just yeah. a derivative of that idea. I think they're independent origin. Really? Oh. Yeah. What is guac or guap? No, is, that, what? is that like Spanish for the word money or something? Uh, if it's Spanish, then it would be derived from guapo, which means like handsome. Hmm uh but i'm no etymologist i'm an entomologist i thought flacco was like handsome no flacco means skinny ah yeah i don't know why i thought urban dictionary would have a uh, etymology of the word (laughs) (laughs) oh shit do you think you can guess any of the top uh trending words on today for uh urban dictionary are they related to the election one is yeah you might actually be able to get that one uh concede no that would be a regular dictionary <laughs> yeah that's just a dictionary for that. <laughs> i don't know what are they watermelon sugar which i think refers to harry styles's album 
Okay. Ghetto spread. Girl who eats carrots. Okay. What? <laughs> Sorority squat. Dirk. Number six, Mamala. Which Wait, apparently... what is Mamala? Because we, me and you have already discussed the fact that she's not a mom. She's a stepmom. Is that is that in reference to that? That's that's the term that she uses instead of stepmom because she thinks that's like a like an ugly word or like a not super friendly word. Then just use mom. Nah, <laughs> that's not special. <laughs> Anyways, I think we've been lost in the sauce a little bit. Where are we going? Oh yeah, the theme of the episode. So we're going to talk about money. Uh, Paul, let's start off with a really easy question. Uh, how much money do you make? One million dollars a year. <laughs> that's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I now understand I, how you're able to afford you your hear, lifestyle. Did you hear the little Tracy Jordan switch em up I did there? One million dollars a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, my salary is technically public information, so. Yeah, I don't really know where to start with this, uh, you know, this hot button issue we are. Uh, oh, I think the easiest way to start is to talk about first jobs. Or, Paul... Mm. We've listed my jobs in, like, what the canon of my job history is, and I can go through that again, but do you want to go through yours? Yeah, uh, in high school, I worked at Moe's, Moe's South- Southwestern Grill, Southwestern Grill, uh, in Lexington, South Carolina. Trash and place. your job was just to make sure that you said welcome to Moe's before the customer did, right? Oh, yes, I was mocked by my boss for being uh, a shy kid and for not wanting to shout welcome to Moe's when somebody would come in. To the point where he would really hurtfully instruct everybody else who worked there to be quiet when somebody walked in and all stare at me. And then I would have to shout it alone. It was a very cruel joke by a very cruel man. Not only cruel, but weird for the customer. <laughs> it was uncomfortable <laughs> for the customer. <laughs> um, also, as somebody who's worked at a Moe's, I don't know why, but specifically around Moe's, and I don't know if it's something that I just perceive because I work there and it actually happens at every like fast food place, but... People have a lot of, like, mythology and fun facts about Moe's. None of them are true. And they're all pretty easy to find out that they're not true. One of them people would always ask about is apparently if we don't say welcome to Moe's, you get a free burrito. I don't know. That's what I was alluding to before, yeah. Yeah, not a real thing. Never been a real thing. Um, Pretty good rumor to start, though, if you're going to start a rumor. (laughs) One way to get yourself free burritos. I think the other thing was um, people would always be like, oh, yeah, the most playlist, like, it only songs by dead artists. And I was like, listen for 10 minutes. That's not true. That's a morbid one. I didn't know that was a thing. But it's just not true. Like, you could listen for a very short amount of time and hear music by a live artist. I don't know. It makes sense why the last time I was in there, it was right after Lil Peep had died, and that's all they were playing. (laughs) That would be kind of a cool gimmick, though. You're right. Like, it's just Biggie and Wolf Heap. <laughs> the, two, the only two dead artists. <laughs> the only two good dead artists. In Mozart. Just Lil Peep, Biggie, and Mozart. The three good <laughs> dead artists. Um. Yeah. Were there? Was there anything else? Do you, what, what do you think you learned from working at Moe's? I learned um, how much I hated my manager at Moe's. I learned how much I didn't like the people to an even greater extent that lived in Lexington, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. bunch of petty tyrants also how many like bible study groups did you have to serve or like oh yeah help out with? working wednesday nights was the worst because that's when bible studies would get out and they would uh mm-hmm. or like wednesday night church and then they would have bible study after for like or a youth group whatever after church on wednesday and then they would all come i, I assume chick-fil-a got it worse than moe's but some of them would come to moe's i think moe's was even more popular and i think the only thing that might have been worse would be like working at McAllister's on a sunday um mm in lexington yeah and the and the problem is it's like 
that one I'm a little bit more okay with than when adults were rude, because it's like, with children, I'm almost like, it's kind of part of, like, the societal agreement that will, like, relax our expectations of civility to, like, allow children to learn and grow and play, but still, like, yeah, it would be, like, a group of, like, 20 kids, they would destroy everything, and they would just be, they would do, like, that shit you do around your friends when you're young, right? Like, but they weren't that much younger than me, which is, I guess, what made it infuriating. I was, like, 15, and they were, like, 12, so it wasn't, like, some massive age difference. Do you ever, have you eaten at Moe's ever since then? Or are you a Chipotle guy now? No, I've eaten at Moe's since then. I've never eaten at the Lexington one, and I really didn't like my manager. I thought he was an ass, so I probably wouldn't. Nice. His name was Jason, I think. I don't remember. Shout out to Jason. Yeah. Come on this pod. Tell your side of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you see, my wife was leaving me, and also I had a tumor in my brain that made me a massive asshole, so. You had a Phineas Gage situation going on? (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. I I don't know why we talked about Moe so much. I I don't think your high school job really has much to do with your class, but. There was a podcast I was listening to the other day where they were talking about how, like, like the, uh, the comment that they made was, like, if you want people to be radicalized, like. Make them work a restaurant job for, like, two Mm. weeks. Yeah, but my siblings both worked at restaurants in high school, too, and they're centrist or, like, uh, what do you call it, like, aesthetic liberal, but not, like, leftist at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think plenty are, because I don't think they actually, like, analyze, like, the conditions that they're in, right? You just kind of do it and you get out of there. But I think it's a good uh, experience to relate to people if to talk anything, about these things. Working at Mo is more than making me woke to class issues. It made me woke to women's issues because the amount of just like blatant sexual harassment and mm. outright like unacceptable working conditions for what I would consider unacceptable for women was like out of this world. It, especially like just like I, I mean i knew servers at other restaurants like female friends who were just like oh yeah like the uh, the kitchen crew makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable and all this the is time. like i live with just kind of yeah. like what you have to live with like with your high school waitressing job my reading of the work situation wasn't a classist one it was it was an identity id poll one but i think looking back and being critical of it from a class perspective the reason they had to keep those jobs is because being a waitress was a well-paying and relatively doable job for somebody, you know, in high school with only a high school education at that point. In retrospect, I mean, the classist analysis makes sense. I mean, it's something, depending on your circumstances, you have to do. And that's why they have to put up with potentially like harassing circumstances at work. And it kind of goes back to, like, sometimes why ID poll analysis of our culture breaks down. For people who don't know, that's identity politics. What? Oh, yeah. For people who don't, yeah. For the audience. Why it breaks down sometimes and doesn't, like, actually lead people to the correct political outcomes is because for something like that, take all the harassment that's going on in restaurants all around the country and take how the media and kind of wrapping it back around to the New York Times, how the media reacted to the Me Too movement. And I think this is actually from an Amber Alley Frost column I read once. She mentioned something along the lines of, like, if you just read the New York Times, you would think that women in media and Hollywood and women in Hollywood were the most oppressed group of people in America. But think about, like, all the uncountable amounts of women dealing with harassment as an intersection of also like their class position and i mean that really hit me as true because yeah i mean i think we i knew girls in high school who had waitress jobs and felt sexually harassed and they were just like well that's how what you have to put up with when you work a waitressing job 
and comes back to like the class analysis makes more sense when you're thinking about like actually improving people's lives but somewhere like the new york times is not going to want to deal with that because it's it's outside of the realm of possibilities they want to open up for politics so they would rather deal with the identity part of the issue yeah i mean it makes sense to me i would say that with like a obvious like you know uh, harassment anywhere is a problem maybe like a little bit less dismissive of like uh, harassment in hollywood but i get what you're saying yeah i'm not being dismissive of it. it it certainly was overrepresented in the sphere of what that movement could accomplish and for who it could accomplish it this is i think tr- turning out to be our funniest episode yet <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> uh yeah how did we get from mose to this uh is there any, do you want to pivot into anything else i mean what, what do you have to say I, we can pretend we just cut all that out and say well, just your question, where was the first place you worked in my summation of Moe's? What, what's, what are the jobs you've worked in your relationship with class? Yeah, so I got my first job because I got a drinking ticket at the <laughs> University of South Carolina. And I told my parents, don't worry about that. I'll pay for that. So I actually started selling drugs for a while. <laughs> uh, and that was the first thing I did. And then I also ended up getting a job at a fast food hibachi place. Um and that was actually it was a shitty job because the manager didn't like me because I kind of got hired the same way most people get hired for their first job is because I had friends there. Um, so he had never actually met me before I started working there. And uh, the story I always tell is that he specifically said to the manager at the time that he didn't like me because he thought I was too cute. And he was very particular about the aesthetics of his store. So for this specific store in Lexington, he wouldn't let them hire black uh, employees. And uh, I don't know how he felt about me being a person of color, but he he for sure said uh like he did, he liked guys who could he like the people that he wanted for that store were white guys who could grow beards and so he did not like uh that that was not who I was um but in terms of an actual job day to day it was actually pretty fun i hung out with phil a lot uh the yeah i was going to say there... what sort of insult to phil to say he doesn't like you working there because you're too cute what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah phil was a little ugly so he was fine with him but yeah yeah tell mm. us about uh phil and um about our favorite chef in the back Alberto yeah yeah he was really fun we spoke Spanish together a little bit and he would hang out with us he would buy us beer at the end of the night um there was a dude named Sketchy Freddy who worked there who would like buy us Xanax during our shift and we would just uh smoke out of the bong in the freezer um yeah no I I just spent a lot of time doing drugs and freestyling over beats with Phil and it was actually a pretty fun time uh I wouldn't do it for as long as Phil or other friends of mine did it um but it was it was not a bad first job to have by any means Um, chopping up that teriyaki on the grill and chopping up those beets on the that you know that actually was legitimately fun too we got to like cook on the grill top to make our own meals and stuff and like i I could make like fun little like deep fried sushi rolls on my break it was it was not it was not a bad time and uh there was also really cool stuff like the time that alberto traded to get horse meat and then cooked that for us for our break and it was actually really good yeah he traded from some dude who like worked at like Longhorn Steakhouse. He got horse meat or something. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I think you might have eaten human. <laughs> <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> and now I can't get the taste like out of my head. Like I want it all the time. <laughs> and there was also fun stuff like the the day that they had like an outdoor farmers market in the complex where I worked, and so we bought yuca and uh, uh, Alberto just made yuca fries from scratch in the kitchen. I think what we're learning right now is me and you do not enjoy discussing class because we found any reason to discuss anything else. <laughs> I, mean, I think I may have distracted with topic. the... It's not a funny topic, is I think yeah, the truth I... of it. I think uh, for some reason, like, first job has made me think of, like, what usually kind of gives people the seeds of radicalization. But, yeah, if you want to talk more directly about it... 
I don't know. I mean, we grew up in slightly different social strata. Paul yeah, is yeah. kind of a cotillion type boy. I, I did not do cotillion. I was middle <laughs> class. Um, and mm-hmm. Adrian was, uh, what what do you, dirt boy, uh, poor peasant, <laughs> surf, mud boy, peasant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Telephone cleaner. Is that a pejorative? I, it's just from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, 42. <laughs> See, I know. <laughs> I've read it before. Douglas Adams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page. We're on the same we page. both read that book. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I guess growing up, uh, my uh, okay. So there was a couple things. There was one in terms of my like actual material conditions. My parents did a very good job of me not understanding what our actual financial situation was. But there were very obvious things like whenever I would go home and I'd be like, "Hey, mom, for Thanksgiving we're doing a canned food drive, so I need to bring canned food," and she'd be like, "They should be giving those to us." <laughs> this would always be her response. <laughs> um and so things like that where like she would always joke about us being poor but like they did a very good job of hiding the fact that we were as poor as we were <laughs> two person two two parent working family with like i think both parents having multiple jobs at multiple points let me see if there's one more like leading question we can see if we can do to, to round this out um paul should billionaires exist no all right cool so i'm gonna do my um beer corner really quick i have for you today jack rabbit's cran apple kettle sour this is a uh, Featuring, so this is one of their like singles that comes out with a feature, uh, Nitty's Cider. So it is their sour base with a whole bunch of apple juice and some cranberry juice to balance out the sweetness. Uh, it pours a very nice autumn red, as you can see. I'm going to take a big old sip. It's pretty good. It is um, kind of tastes a little bit like sparkling apple juice, but the cranberry really does help. It's one of those things where... Um, Whenever people talk about food, you can get really tired of it really quick because they say the same things over and over again. They're like, oh, yeah, the pickle really uh, balances out the richness from the sandwich. And that's like what everyone says about a pickle in every dish. Uh, But I'm going to do that same thing. It's a little bit sweet, but it's not overly sweet because they balance it out with some tartness from the cranberries. Overall, a pretty balanced, pretty delicious drink. Oh, a little bit sweet, but not overly sweet. Just how I describe you, Adrian. Oh, thanks, buddy. Oh, also, I'm noticing something talking about class, and I'm noticing you're wearing a Piggly Wiggly shirt, which we discussed earlier this week buying. So you you went out and you accomplished said task. Dude, I think I paid more for the shipping than the shirt. The shirts are eight ninety five. <laughs> They're incredibly affordable. Honestly, this should be my whole wardrobe. wardrobe. Uh, but it's yeah, still Piggly not the classic Wiggly. one from uh, from like that they sell in the store. It's not just the line drawing of the pig. No, no, it's the one that has Piggly on the front and Wiggly on the back with the butt. The one I was thinking of is just the one that's a big line drawn of the pig, and it's much oh, bigger I than think the one you're wearing. It was this one, that one, and then the iconic I'm big on the pig shirt. And I'll tell you what, I shop at that Wiggly, but I ain't big on them piggies. Yeah, when well, my mom was like, this little piggy went to Mark, I was like, stop right there. A cab. <laughs> we got some things to talk about, Mom. <laughs> First off, fuck 12. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no man uh, it's now a bylo so you know you don't know what you got till it's gone let's get into the articles shall we all right so today we have a person who's been featured on the show before dear prudence from slate and our class-based question money between friends i recently got a pretty good job and i live with my fiance who also makes a good amount of money we're living a pretty comfortable middle class life Many of my friends are still in school or not in career-type jobs. Several times it's come up that I propose an outing or activity and they come up with something cheaper. Is it rude for me to insist on things like going out to a restaurant for brunch 
if they want to stay in and make food. Ooh, we can also bring in the brunch analysis for the post-election. It's a nicer atmosphere, and I think it's more fun not to have to do dishes afterwards. Is it unfair for me to ask them to spend a little money? Hoo boy. Classic episode of Friends right here. Oh yeah, that is an episode of Friends. I thought you never watched that show. No, I've watched through Friends multiple times. Yeah, how did they solve it in that show? Can we just give them that advice? I think they... I think they just have an honest discussion about who has what kind of money in that scenario at that point. Yeah, and I think what you have to come up with is, yeah, if they don't have the money to spend on it, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course they can't just, like, they can't... Unless you're treating people out, like, yeah, don't be an asshole. <laughs> what are they supposed to do, like, manifest more money than they have to, like, go do activities with you? Yeah, I don't know. They're supposed to stop spending money on all that booze they drink, on those uh, Netflix subscriptions. Uh, any kind of luxury that the poor person has is uh, not okay, except uh, for the one brunch. Talking about that, I feel everybody today has been ragging on um, has been ragging on Kiki Palmer online because she said, "Why don't what? we make Akila and the Bee?" Yeah, <laughs> she tweeted out, "Why don't we make it so so EBT only works on healthy foods?" Jesus. <laughs> So she's been the she's been the villain on Twitter today, but that's very this question energy, which is why can't yeah 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 yeah. So uh, a couple of things. One, I get parts of their argument, like not wanting to do dishes and maybe the atmosphere thing. I've always found cooking with friends to be very fun. So I actually, I'm totally down with that atmosphere. The dishes stuff is a legitimate thing, but never host. I mean, you obviously have the best house among your friends. Either that or do that thing where you, like, take over most of the cooking. That way you can kind of, like, pawn off doing the dishes on other people. No, yeah, and then I think those are oftentimes more fun and more connecting experiences to do stuff like that. But I think this is, like, a very specific example, right? Like, maybe they're talking about, like, oh, I'm inviting them to go do laser tag or go to this really nice opera house. And there's no, like, real substitute for that that you can do at your house. So this is a very particular example. Well, yeah, exactly. I think one of the, like, things she says is I propose an outing and I propose an outing and activity and they come up with something cheaper. And I would like to know, I would like a list of what she's proposing and what they're coming up with. Because if she's saying, I think we should go to this, like, $100 a seat banquet and they're saying, oh, why don't we have a nice picnic among friends? Clearly, Why don't we eat some banquet frozen meals? Yeah. She's like, hey, do you guys want to go to this Formula One race? And they're like, why don't we go do donuts down by the creek? <laughs> exactly. In which case, they're clearly in the right. But if she's like, oh, why don't we go do a, like, a, a drive-in in a month, which is like clearly enough time for a student to get their finances together to go to a drive-in or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, why don't we eat out of the trash instead? Then maybe they're being a little too. <laughs> the old George Costanza. <laughs> why don't we eat out of the dumpster? Why don't we go dumpster diving behind the Panera? Yeah, maybe they're being a little too thrifty. Like, I guess I would need to know exactly the situation. Yeah, I think probably what is the more reasonable thing is is probably what the reality is. Um, so it might even be something where, like, depending on how often these friends hang out, like, even just, like, a weekly movie night, like, going to the movies versus renting a movie together for five bucks is, like, a significant yeah. difference to them. But, but exactly. I mean, typically students would have enough money to go to a movie but if they if they just feel like they can't swing it then i mean like i, I don't know like it, it's not it's not a bad substitute to just do a red box and watch a movie at somebody's place like to me that's not like such a it's almost more fun sometimes yeah it's, it's kind not of like an unfulfilling substitute that i would feel like i need to like switch it up in a boxed pizza like 
is spending time with your friends a real like you said you had a partner so for specifically like activities you want to do go with your partner yeah just do them with your partner and yeah. then seeing your friends should be about seeing your friends or just get rich friends mm, yeah 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 well i mean you've you've reached another place in your life dump dump those losers yeah Adrian, have you had any friends that have uh, finished their uh, doctorate and, like, moved on to, like, a professor track or anything like that where all of a sudden they have, like, a much bigger income coming in? Or is everybody kind of around the same, like, uh, everybody you're friends with on this uh, on a similar age and track as you? I mean, there's definitely a divide between how much postdocs make and how much grad students make, as well as there's a divide within grad students of who gets paid by fellowship oh, and who gets paid for teaching. you want to give a shout-out to your friend that just made a postdoc? Oh, yeah. Shout-out to a random hobo on the street who... Uh, <laughs> Just got two postdoc offers and is now choosing between them. Uh, very exciting for her. Uh, yeah, I have like my friend Kelly who like is at a who has a, a postdoc at Dartmouth right now, and so I'm assuming she's making a good bit more money than she does a grad student. Um, but she's not around you, so I guess that's not like a good example for like yeah, no one really postdoc styles. And I still yeah, imagine especially... postdoc isn't like they're not like at the club like throwing money. Yeah, so I don't know. This seems like a pretty straightforward thing. Like, unless you're willing to foot the bill, like, you can't force your friends to spend money that's going to make them uncomfortable to spend. Like, that's kind of the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So either off, it's offer, such an obvious maybe, answer. <laughs> like Paul said, maybe like do something where it's like far enough in advance, um, where they can kind of plan around it. Like, hey, this person's coming on tour in December, and so we're gonna try and buy tickets. Like, you know, a couple months from now, if you guys want to try and do that. Do fancy brunches with your boyfriend and do pizza nights with your friend friends. And that way you get to do the like activities you think are like enjoyable and mm-hmm. you get to see your friends. Like it doesn't seem like a hard thing to juggle. Because let's admit it. We're all trying to get back to brunch. We are. We are. The election is over, baby. Joe Biden won. Why would I care about politics? I'm back to brunch, baby. Back to brunch. <laughs> what 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 type of bruncher are you, Adrian? Are you, are you like a mimosa and an eggs benedict or are you a beans sausage egg and bloody mary bruncher i'm offended that, by that question because we've gone to brunch multiple times together you i know you're a big eggs benny boy. boy you're more of a fry up boy you're more of an eggs benny boy i am i am an eggs benedict Although, and mimosa boy i i almost got eggs benedict today Did I fuck with <laughs> uh, i'm benedict? getting way more into poached eggs and stuff like that they're quite good mm-hmm. especially if you're in the south and not in uh you know the fucking west coast let me tell you <laughs> and you can get yourself a crabs benedict that shit's fire. Son. Yeah. Son, so don't even uh, basically, don't even start uh, with me about that. No, <laughs> I'm basically just a savory breakfast uh, bruncher. Although, ca- counter to that point, I do not like Bloody Marys very much. I find them just a either. little too challenging. I will yeah, say, more of a Adrian, boy. I will I will go on record for Adrian. Adrian's a big fan of chorizo. So uh, for you, you know, mm. if you guys want to come up with a good gift for Adrian, he loves chorizo. Yeah, give me that sausage, baby. Yeah, where were we? Should we read the answer? We Yeah, answer's short. We can get through it real quick. Do we have any more? Do we have funny answers for her? Do we have any gags? Sh- should she encourage them to play the lottery in the hopes that they'll win the lottery? The tax on the poor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they can uh, go out to brunch with her or spend money on uh, luxurious dinners and experiences. Yeah, actually, that's a good idea. So call in to each of their jobs and talk to their manager about how good they've been doing their jobs to try and get them a promotion <laughs> and do that under like six different fake voices. <laughs> uh, we're like, uh, I just wanted to call about Paul at Moe's. I had the most excellent service. He refilled the ice machine so quickly and so competently. And I had a great time because of Paul. Oh, I like how you remember that was my job because the ice machine was broken. So I'd have to go to the ice <laughs> machine in the back and fill up the fucking, the, that was when the Coke remix machine came out. And it was like that machine where it's like all the Coke drinks come out of like one nozzle. Mm-hmm. 
and the ice machine on it was like shit and it would break constantly and so i would just always have to hand fill it by going to the big ice machine in the back filling a tub going out there and uh putting all the ice in there and southern people are assholes people from lexington are just generally unpleasant people to be around they would get so angry if there wasn't ice to put in their drink like to yeah, the yeah, point yeah. where they would be like why, why is there no ice it would this is this is unacceptable, frankly. And I'd be like, oh, let me, I'll go get some ice from the back to put in there. <laughs> I don't want back ice. <laughs> and I remember one time, like, I was going there and I was, like, going to put the ice in there. And it was, like, somebody had asked for it. And they were just, like, they were, like, berating me about it. They were just, like, just so you know, I shouldn't have to ask about this. It should be something that's available. Goddamn. A lot of Karens in that town. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's one piece of jokey advice that I have. My other piece of advice would be... um. What do you send them letters from the University of Phoenix trying to get them to uh, get their IT degree? <laughs> no, so that's the thing. A lot of them are still students, is what she said. Oh, is that what she said? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, then just bide your time. Let me making them big bucks in like 10 to 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Answer from Dear Prudence Is it unfair for me to ask them to spend a little money? And then the answer starts Not as long as you make it clear you're offering to treat your friends to these nicer outings. If you're not offering, then yes, it's rude and unfair for you to ask them to spend a little money. Especially when your idea of little is their idea of gas money for the rest of the month. If you want to go to a fancy restaurant once in a while, that's fine. Take your equally financially comfortable fiancé or one of your highly paid co-workers. Or offer to pick up the check for your friends who are trying to get by on college student funds. But don't ask them to blow their monthly budget in order to spend time with you just because you don't like doing dishes. Damn. So classic venomous Paul, but for prudence this time. Uh, one of those. I mean, like I said before in the pre part of the episode, one of the least ridiculous slate questions, and one of the most straightforward answers. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the uh, thing. Usually, I try not to pick slate because everybody knows them as the uh, as the incredibly wacky advice column, and dear prudence especially gets things like. Oh no, my boyfriend Office is poopers. coming too much, and uh, and it shot out of my window and onto my mom. What do I do about it? Like just like, but that was a that was a pretty straightforward one, and one that I imagine mostly went under the radar on the internet. Yeah, 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 pretty straightforward. I think that sums it up about right. Mm-hmm. Any other wacky ideas, Paul? Um... Do you have anything where the person dresses up as a man? <laughs> you know, we. <laughs> Why are you drinking your beer like that? Hmm. Well, I we shouldn't talk about it because it's a visual thing and our audience can't see. me? <laughs> Did I? So y'all know, Adrian just like went down to his beer glass like a dog and lapped it up with his tongue. That's <laughs> not what happened. <laughs> just so you know, Paul uh, doesn't want to talk about how he didn't do anything all weekend because he was recovering from his rib removal surgery so he can suck his own dick, which is what he's trying to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm succeeding. <laughs> So excuse the sloppy noises if you hear them. Classic Adrian, just leaving that part out to make me sound like some sort of loser. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, no, no wacky hijinks. I, I think we're ready for part two if you are. All right, let's get it. So my article this week is coming from Sophia Benoit from Here's the Thing. She was cryptically referenced in a previous episode as someone who I was worried would be too funny to bring in because she would be funnier than us. So who knows how funny this one is. I hope she lives up to the reputation. 
She is a writer in LA who also does an advice column, and I think she also does stand-up and improv. Um, so let's see if those skills come in. Uh, she always starts, well, the question is, I think my boyfriend is being kind of classist. What do I do? And then she always starts off where instead of using pseudonyms that are based on the question, she just says something like, in this one, an angel, or in other ones, like a little cutie pie, or someone who we all adore, or something like that. So this is from an angel. My boyfriend and I recently had a disagreement. I was being told by a friend I should make an OnlyFans, and I was saying no. I don't personally think sex work is for me. The person ended up trying to talk me into it far longer than I expected, and it slightly annoyed me. I vented to my boyfriend, and he supported me. He even went as far as to say my friend constantly trying to talk me into sex work was not looking to help me find sexual liberation, but rather sexually harassing me. I didn't completely agree with that, but anyway, my boyfriend added then, you wouldn't want to be a sex worker anyways. And I said I didn't actually think anything ill of sex work and considered a job. I just don't want to do that job. He disagreed. We bickered and I accused him of eventually being kind of classist, as he was literally acting classist as the argument progressed. He made comments like saying things people do hold value to their lives and etc. He also insisted being a classist isn't actually that bad if you think about it. I was a little confused. I've always considered being classist actually very bad. <laughs> But I let that fight go. Since the pandemic, I've been doing anything I can for work. Childcare, cleaning houses. Oh, by the way, this was, uh, just for context, this was published like literally a week ago. Since the pandemic, I've been doing anything I can do for work. Childcare, cleaning houses, making crafts and things to sell, as I've been unemployed, unfortunately, due to COVID. My boyfriend was at first extremely understanding. I then decided to register for school. I was venting to him about being nervous. I haven't been in so long and I don't feel smart enough or ready. In an attempt to comfort me by trying to stress how important school is, he actually said, I don't want to be dating someone who is cleaning houses in 10 years. The comment just kind of threw me all the way off. I've never thought ill of odd jobs and have even done them when I had a full-time job. My self-esteem feels weird now and it didn't before. He apologized for that remark and even took back what he said, but I just feel kind of weird. I want to show him how dangerous classism is, or how dangerous I think it is at least, and I don't know how to just agree to disagree on an issue like this. This is the first time in a long-term relationship I've butted heads with someone like this. Honestly, we line up on all other views, which is really important to me. So this kind of comes out of left field, and I'm overthinking I think this comes out of the right-wing field, if you ask me. <laughs> so here it is. I don't know how to disagree on this. Any advice, please? It would be greatly appreciated. Okay. All right some comments uh I, I was giggling at this part and it's especially what he said he also insisted being classist isn't actually bad if you think about it love when people that was say a zinger of a line if you think about it it's just oh you know i love the implication that if you if you're for this it's because you haven't thought about it you little dummy <laughs> if you think about it it's that's up there with if you just google it <laughs> just google it <laughs> as like mm -hmm. an explanation for why you believe something like Oh, you don't believe in um in Building 7? Just Google it. You'll see. Or any libertarian talking about the age of consent. <laughs> um, and then when he said, I don't want to be with someone cleaning houses in 10 years, I, I've heard of having like a 10-year plan, but I like that he has it for somebody else. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, I think that's really forward thinking of him, um, actually. And yeah, obviously he's kind of a classist and a piece of shit. You should... Uh, you should argue with him about this. Probably not worth leaving the person over if you like him in all other regards. But yeah, it's kind of an asshole opinion. <laughs> the trope of uh, advice call and relationship things being like, he's perfect in every way except for one. He's basically a Seinfeld character. Do you think... Like, nah, bitch, you got other shit going on with him too. I have to assume. <laughs> yeah, this does seem like it's probably a sign of like somebody with some like other emotional issues if he's this weird about 
like degrading you for being a normal person who works like oddball jobs or who just like does what they need to do to get money like although like the thing about the friend trying to convince you i i I do think it would be weird for a friend to try really hard to convince you to do an OnlyFans. that seems like something that should be up to you i don't know why your friend did you think it was weird when i kept trying to get you to do one (laughs) well no but we have that type of relationship she didn't really expand on (laughs) yeah paul and i are uh those kind of friends where like we send each other platonic nudes where we just say you go girl as like a response to our vagina pics (laughs) or uh good job keeping it tight (laughs) Well, I mean, you know I've been doing all those anal kegels, and I just appreciate being seen. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, we're not going to immediately go to dump him because he's being kind of an asshole here. I think this is something you can probably disagree with them and like try and educate them on. I would almost assume that these people are probably kind of young and also that he probably comes from a rich family. And I think when you date someone from a rich family, there's probably a lot of like re-education that you have to do with them if you're going to date them. Also, I don't even I don't even know if she wants to re-educate him. It seems like she just has good instincts. It doesn't seem like she's a leftist who really cares about like mm. being progressive on class. She just has a healthy instinct for obviously don't degrade for like people I shouldn't feel terrible work. about myself yeah. because these are the jobs that I do. Yeah, yeah, it's just her having like a healthy relationship with work and her life, and it's him who has some sort of weird framework around class i don't think she's like exactly coming at this from some sort of leftist marxist perspective sure 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 so i don't even know if she has like the language to educate him like insofar as that maybe that's what she needs to do maybe she needs to read some marks get woke on uh class issues and educate him yeah official big fact no cap read theory everybody (laughs) (laughs) i haven't read theory (laughs) Oh, we know. <laughs> we talked about that in the bookshelf episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, actually, I really like how this question isn't the longest one that we've read, but it still comes in acts. Like, there's act one about the OnlyFans thing. And it's like, I guess we're not even going to touch on that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there's the whole her opinion of sex work, too, where, like, he's not only classist, but also has a shitty opinion about sex work, which is, like, a whole nother thing. Yeah. That's a whole nother can of worms. Honestly, if it wasn't for the about. later part, I would say he's just uncomfortable about the sex stuff and didn't know how to verbalize it and probably isn't classist. It's not really till the second half that it solidified that it's Oh, no, there's a that coup de grace of, like, I don't want to be with someone who's a housekeeper yeah. in 10 years that just, like, seals it up as, like, how oh, do you yeah, this feel guy's an asshole. about that, Adrian, as somebody whose mother with a, whose mother cleaned houses? Yeah, uh, uh, shitty. I think if, I think this guy should, should, de- to- he should totally be open to dating my mom. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, honestly, I think if he doesn't want to, he's the one missing out. She's a great lady. So, I don't know, man. I mean, doing an OnlyFans or doing sex work actually pays really well. It's the kind of aesthetic of it that he has an issue with. Ooh, you think he's secretly worried about her making more money than him? (laughs) That seems like a whole other paradigm issue, but I don't think Because that's probably an article we'll bring in at some point, because there's a million of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so shocking to me. Why would you not want your partner to make more money than you? It sounds like a exactly. sweet deal. <laughs> Dude, I, if you if you know publicly, because you can look it up, how much money I make, you should make more money than me if you're going to date me. <laughs> Otherwise, I am not keeping us afloat. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that's it, but that would be an interesting twist. That would be like a real, like, that would be act three of this, like, uh, of this narrative of this play of, of act yeah, one yeah. was only fans act two was classism act three would be it was really all sexism all along yeah yeah that would be a really good twist for uh checkoff's checkbook 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's almost, like, too much to talk about because I don't want to get into, like, you know, sex work stuff. I don't... So, we'll focus on the classism of her boyfriend. Um, I would say it's 100% not a agree-to-disagree issue in a relationship, at least for me. But I guess those are, like, my particular values. But I feel like it's something where, once again, I don't know if, like I said, dumping them doesn't... Like, it seems like you can just argue with them about it. Like, it could... <laughs> Is that bad advice yeah. to just argue with your significant other? But it seems like something that, like, no, as long as idea. you know the boundaries of, like, not hurting each other's feelings, you can debate it and talk about it without, as long as you both know how to do that without, like, attacking the other person. You can. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's my advice is, uh, from what I've observed from people who are in relationships is, uh, if you're going to argue about it, actually argue about it. Don't be passive aggressive about it. Like, don't argue about it once. And then for like the rest of the week, like he pays for something and you're like, oh, that's a little classist, don't you think? Like, don't <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> like, actually make arguments and like, you know, talk about what the points are and what the counterpoints yeah, are. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's very easy for yeah. relationship arguments to be like about a hundred other things than the argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you should go on one of those shows where it's like there's a million of them where it's like it's like a fake judge who like solves relationship issues. Find one of those. Jerry Seinfeld used to have one of those. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wasn't it like him and his wife? Donald Trump made fun of him for it. (laughs) Did he really? Uh, Marriage, marriage advice or marriage counselor. What was it? Marriage. I don't know. I know the story of it. He was like me and my wife were on the couch and we were like, why is it? We were arguing. We were like, why is there someone on the TV who can tell us who's right? So I made the show. Isn't that just how Seinfeld started? (laughs) It's seltzer, not salsa. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he basically just was like, I'm rich and powerful enough that I could just go to NBC and make them make this show about me and my wife's arguments in couples. Did you know, I actually watched that show when it first came out. Really? How was it? I-, I thought it was entertaining enough. I was a huge Seinfeld fan. All I remember specifically was some couple having an argument. Sarah Silverman was part of the uh, like panel for that episode. And the only thing I remember from that show is her saying like, hey, maybe you should uh, help him out a little bit more every often. You know what I mean? And she just does a jerking off motion. <laughs> I was like, that's her solution to their problems. I mean, maybe, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, talking about classism thing, there was a while when every, uh, there was a while, and I think it was around when that show came out where every new uh, reality TV show had like a thing where it's like, have we gone too far now with this show? Because there was that show that came out around then that was like the, uh, where they would hook you up to a truth, uh, to a lie detector. Oh, yeah, you, that was a really fun when I watched that yeah, too. Yeah, they would ask you questions like trying to ruin your marriage or whatever. They would be like, have you yeah, ever yeah, thought yeah. a woman is more attractive than your wife? And you would win money if you told the truth, but they would always be like yeah, incriminating yeah. truths. Um, which also we're not even going to touch on the fact that like lie detectors are pretty faulty technology yeah 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 yeah. um and then there was also that other show and i think this was probably this was years before that generation but there was that other show who believes that lie detectors work and doesn't think that just like oh well then why haven't we solved crime yet (laughs) (laughs) why haven't we solved every investigation yet then (laughs) oh that's that's a really good point um Um, and then there was that other show, I want to say it was called, like, Superstar USA, and it was the one where they tricked people, it was like, uh, it was like an American Idol thing, but they just tricked, they only put you ahead if you were a bad singer. If you were a bad singer? I watched that too. Maybe I watched more of this trash TV than I realized. (laughs) Um, and that was another one where it was, like, a very classist show, because it was for gawking, I guess American Idol's kind of classist too, because also the most entertaining episodes Everything's like a story about how you, like, yeah. Oh no, I meant the first episodes where it's all about gawking at poor people who think they're talented. Or delusional oh, yeah, people. Yeah. I guess that's more a mental illness issue. It's an ableist issue, because I think a lot of those people have mental illnesses. 
they're all pretty gross in various ways. Yeah. Superstar USA was probably the grossest, whereas the whole point was the worse you were, the more, like, you got ahead in the show, and they pretended like it was because you were a good singer. Yeah, it was terrible when they did that for uh, a season of Ultimate Fighter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so really quick, I'm rereading the uh, article one more time. I think the other thing that I think is really shitty is that it's a person who is scared to go back to school and is afraid of failure and not being smart enough to succeed. And his comment to her to support her is, uh, well, you better. Otherwise, I'm not going to fucking stick around with you. Like, what a (laughs) shitty asshole. Like, fuck this dude. That's true. That's true. So you're leaning more on this as like, this could be a relationship ender. I think her exact verbiage of, can we just agree to disagree on this? Or do I need to actually talk it out more? Is very clearly I'm on the side of like, you need to at least have a few more conversations about this. Mm. Yeah, I would agree about that. You got to settle this and he's clearly in the wrong. So you better come out the winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you say if he was uncompromising about it, if after she explained her feelings, if he was uncompromising, was like, I just don't want to be with somebody who isn't like successful in life, that then it becomes a, okay, this is like an, an unsolvable difference between us and I need to leave him. I guess she could end up in like a agree to disagree space and just be like, well, all right, I hope everything works out for me then. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on how good he is. And it seems like she does like him. It seems like he's right about everything else, which always seems to... Just to me yeah why are there all these perfect people in advice column relationships but he eats his peas one by one <laughs> uh okay yeah anything else paul oh let's do our uh let's actually do our version of what we think dear polly would give as a device advice to this answer oh dear god okay sure i think dear polly would say have you thought about how you not being successful could affect him mentally do you think that it's easy to be with someone who's complete trash why don't you take a look in the mirror and understand how what you're doing is affecting him? That's pretty good. Yeah, I would say uh, Polly writes her shortest answer ever and says, honey, you ain't pretty enough to be this bad as shit. <laughs> I think you've captured Deaver's Polly's voice almost as well as me. <laughs> okay, so let's hear what Sophia has to say about this. Uh, once again, we'll link to the whole answer. It is a bit of a long one, so we're going to condense it down for you guys. For you guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Sophia. Oh boy, oh boy. I usually don't write an answer to a letter unless I have a somewhat good idea of what I would do in this scenario. And I'm kind of stuck on yours. There is some good, I guess, in that he was willing to apologize. We've all said dumb things, and things that make a person feel worse when we're trying to make them feel better. And I'm glad he apologized. However... What he originally said wasn't just oafish, it was bad. And on top of that, he had just previously admitted to you that he doesn't really think being classist is bad if you think about it. Well, buddy, this is to him, not you. I actually have thought about it, and being classist is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly harmful. If you or anyone reading this isn't aware, I assume you are, but I gotta cover my bases, of the concept of intersectionality, a theory created by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw, it explains how one identity that we have might overlap or intersect with other identities. And one of those identities that people focus on a lot is class. Class has a lot of power and influence over how any of us live our lives. Class often decides where we live, where we go to school, what we do as a job, how often we eat, what we eat, what we wear, how we get to and from work, who we date, who we live with, how long we live with our parents, whether we travel, where we travel, what medical procedures we have access to when we retire, if we have internet access, if we have our own cell phones, and if so, what kind, how much pollution is in the air that we breathe where we live, how large our carbon footprint is, even how long we live. Yeah, that was an extensive list. (laughs) 
To not care about people with less money is fucked up. To think that certain jobs are beneath him or you is fucked up. Your boyfriend admitted, albeit probably accidentally or subconsciously, that he thinks there is something about him and you that is better than other people, that is more worthwhile. That's not good. I think your boyfriend is actually a snob, an elitist. I don't think he slipped up two times back to back and said shitty things about class and jobs and how they define how much he values other people. You know, I just realized this is common advice uh, that I think, well, it's not common advice. It's common Reddit advice, but uh, it always shows up in relationship things of like, hey, ladies, check out how a man treats your waitress. And that's how you know whether or not you should be with him. Oh, yeah, that is always a Reddit saying, like, check how somebody treats waitstaff. Which I think is correct. Like, I'm not disagreeing with it, but this seems to very much, uh, I'm surprised that didn't come to mind when we're talking about, like, figuring out whether or not this is something really, like, integral to his belief system or whether or not he really kind of just, like, said some things in a roundabout way that wasn't good or said some things that he probably didn't mean. It looks like she does sort of reflect what we said, which is pour all your time and energy into teaching your boyfriend how to care about other people in compassionate ways. So she's also going <laughs> to, the like, teach him theory, like... <laughs> Yeah, she's going with the uh, Clockwork Orange, like, fucking get his eyes uh, <laughs> peeled open and show him some videos. Show him some Contra videos. Ooh, um, Contra would be a good one if he's not transphobic, too, which maybe he is. He probably is. They're uh, statistically poorer than people who aren't trans. There are no good answers, honestly. There's no right answer because the situation sucks. Someone can be good to you, or at least mostly good to you, and be a shitty person to other groups of people. I personally would not be able to stay with someone long term if I thought they were not just classist, but into being classist. There's too much harm that people with his opinions do. It's dangerous because it's harmful to other people. It devalues other people's work, but more importantly, their lives. And I do think it's worth confronting, even though it will be very painful, the fact that he seems to look down on the job you currently have. He sees you as temporarily humbled rather than a hard worker. That's a yikes, ladies. That's a yikes from me. <laughs> That's a yikes, ladies. Uh, and I think you should do some serious thinking about how that opinion he holds is going to affect your relationship. Yeah, that's that's a very true point. That's a true fact stated right there. That's a big fact. It's a big fact. I mean, that's how he feels about people who are lower class. And he thinks of you as somebody who's just temporarily lower class. like A, a temporarily embarrassed millionaire. Is yeah, that the comment yeah, yeah. everyone always says? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big fact. It, <laughs> it probably speaks to some other like lack of respect he holds for you. Outside of you, what happens when you guys hang out with people that have jobs he looks down on? What happens if he has kids who don't live up to his class expectations? What else is he a snob about? What does he think he's done to earn his privilege? I know it's very, very, very hard to break up with someone when they haven't done something massively, massively wrong to you personally, like cheat, or hit your dog with their car on purpose. I get that. But I do think that this is not an issue that's going to go away. I think this is a sign of who he is as a person right now. Will he learn better? Possibly. Will he learn better on his own? Seems unlikely. Should you wait around? I don't think so. Should you pour in effort? I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm sorry I don't have a clear answer that's succinct for you. No matter what you do, it's okay. You do not have to decide by today or tonight or by next Tuesday. Take your time. Trust yourself. You've got this. Sophia Benoit. Paul, you want to say anything after you're done slurping away? No, not really. That was pretty well answered. I think... As always, the intelligent uh, answerers hit a lot of the same points we did. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this. There's nothing too funny about being a rich old snobby boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was well answered. She was a kind of both to answer this time were a little bit like, are we in a good mood? Why are we not like as venomous or like, we're not as biting as the actual answerers this time. I think we were 
Are we bourgeois? I think that's mostly up to whether or not you're in a good mood. <laughs> she definitely had more space to rant. She definitely looked out more meta, like talking about when they have kids, There's this is going to be a problem. When they interact with other friends, this is going to be a problem. I, I think she just had like a more cohesive answer to like why this is not like a one-time incident and this is going to be something that like has a pervasive effect on how you guys interact with the world. And I think that's true. Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to do before our third segment? No. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I know we're getting a little quiz heavy. We haven't done a topical tip in a while. So I'm going to do a quiz, but we might try and switch it up in subsequent episodes. So yeah, since, since we're talking about class, since we're talking about the media, since we're talking about pop culture this episode, I thought it'd be fun to do a quiz about kind of how media often misleads what we think um, the class lifestyle and aesthetic of lower class people actually is. Like you have your Malcolms in the middle that like represent them a little bit more you know, truthfully. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the big memes of this whole thing is like people pointing out, oh, this person in this sitcom could never afford the apartment that they live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I have for you today is a quiz about all of our favorite characters from TV shows. It is going to be a double quiz where I quiz you on what their job is and then whether or not they can afford their apartment based on the 30% ratio, uh, which means that you give no more than 30% of your monthly income to your rent. Ooh, this is going to be hard because I already know I don't remember Jan Chandler's job title. <laughs> oh, I like how you already know where I was going with this. Uh, okay, so this is according to rentcafe.com. Uh, and so uh, for, in terms of methodology, you're going to have to look at what they do, whether or not you agree or disagree. I have found multiple sources that agree and disagree with some of these placements. Um, and the other thing really quickly is that in terms of job, I can't really get a consistent view of what it is. I think they either did what job they held for the longest in the series or what their last job in the series was. Mm, so for example, would Monica be, Monica wouldn't be a diner waitress. She Monica would be, would be a restaurant chef. owner or a head chef. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's 18 people, 36 possible points. How much do you think you know about everyone's favorite Ooh, TV It's shows? tough. I actually like, I know a lot about specific sitcoms but i don't have a wide breadth of sitcoms and so since this is gonna cover 18 different sitcoms i'm thinking i might only know like five or six of them so i'll say that's really all i could think of unless like seven of them are from friends i don't think i think a lot of them i'm just not gonna know at all so it's gonna be like in the 10 12 range for your points sure let's let's do that 10 10 points okay cool 10 points is the the thing to beat i will give you what franchise they're from mm-hmm to start off each question, and then we'll see how you do. So first question. So from everyone's favorite Hannibal Burris song, Doug Stamper. Okay, so he is from House of Cards. House of Cards. He plays a chief of staff for a president. So I'm going to guess his salary is about... So I have to guess their salary and... What, what, what do I... Just whether or not they make the ratio. Okay, okay. You did get job correct. Oh, so I have to tell you their job and their ratio. Oh, I don't remember where he lived in the show, but for living in DC in general, I'm going to say no, because I'm going to guess his income is probably like, if the president makes 400 sal, I could imagine him making anywhere from 250 to 300 sal a year. Yeah, if the president's making 400 bandos. If <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's stacking them racks. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I'm gonna say that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think his rent would cost more than a hundred k a year. Yeah, that's a better way to say it. Is uh, can they afford the apartment? And so your answer is yes, and that is also correct. 
So if you want to know the, uh, I'll, I'll link the article in yeah, the Yeah, can you tell thing, me the math Paul... after every question, like how much okay. it would make? Yeah, all right. If you, if you want to, then I'll just do that on the pod then. Okay. Yeah, so Doug Stamper, White House Chief of Staff, uh, yearly uh, income of $172,000, and it is estimated that he pays about 13% of his monthly wage to rent. So he is well below what you're supposed to be if you're being financially uh, literate. Okay. All right. Good start. Uh, okay. And so this is Derek Shepard. Do you need a franchise? Yeah. This is Derek Shepard from Grey's Anatomy. Okay. So is he a doctor or a nurse? I'm going to say doctor. I will give that to you. It's not really as specific as we're looking for, but okay. Oh, okay. Maybe like, what's the first who does skin? Uh, Epidermiologist. Epidermiologist. Is that what it is? Ep- yeah. Is, no, dermatologist, is, is just dermatologist. Dermatologist, that's it. He doesn't just do the top of the skin. <laughs> the epidermal layer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, could you imagine how cushy that job would be? <laughs> You're just treating people with acne all day? Um, He's technically head of neurosurgery, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you, for, for those shows, you have to have, like, the high-intensity, like, scenes, so it needs to be, like, brain surgery. Okay. Yeah, almost certainly, wherever he lives. I don't know where Grey's Anatomy is set, maybe, like, outside in New York. Like in New Jersey or something like that? Lexington, South Carolina. <laughs> All right. Derek Shepard, head of neurosurgery, has an estimated annual income of $530,000. Uh, and he spends estimated 2% of his monthly income on rent. Damn. Uh, so that guy is living large. Okay, so it is just basing that on where they live. Because obviously he would probably just have a much nicer place and pay more. To live like in the center of the city or whatever. Oh no, he's a real humble guy in the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think it's just based on the city. Uh, okay, kinda... okay, I feel you. Well, actually, no, because his rent is it does scale. So just for like context, uh, I only chose one person from Grey's Anatomy, but every single person is like at most they're spending like seven percent on their rent. But there is like grade gradations based on kind of like what their position is on what they expect to pay for rent. So there's some kind of extra calculation to it. Uh, but yeah, all right, Paul, two for two. Okay, so this is probably another one that you don't know, but that's fine. Um, this is George Costanza. <laughs> All right, from Seinfeld, and he works a lot of different jobs, but I think mainly he works for the Yankees as some sort of weird position under... Uh, Steinbrenner. Yeah, yeah, Steinbrenner. He's yeah. a real-life like uh, manager of the Yankees, and he hated his portrayal yeah. in the show. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't like eggplant and pepperoni uh, calzones. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that George definitely could because, well, New York is expensive and his apartment is nice. But also he like, seems to work like a nice corner office job for the Yankees. That's exactly what I would have said, too. His position on the on the uh, infographic is listed as Kruger Industrial Smoothing. Is that the fake company Kramer starts? What's Kruger Industrial Smoothing? <laughs> I don't know what the qualification is of like, because like I, I instantly also thought baseball job is what he did for the longest. But uh, yeah, he's estimated to spend 149% of his income on rent every <laughs> every month. So he definitely would not have been able to if afford it. If only he apartment. made it as architect art, art vandalay. Art vandalay. Uh, it doesn't do importing some exporting. <laughs> <laughs> and he spends a long time unemployed. But somehow I don't remember the industrial smoother. <laughs> yeah, I should probably look that up. And so this is everybody's favorite TV dad, Phil Dunphy. Okay, from, from Modern um, Family. Modern Family, yeah. Um, he's a he's a real estate agent. He is. So you got that correct. And I mean, he lives a suburban life. I don't know what city, but he lives a pretty regular suburban life. And I mean, if you're buying and selling houses, as long as the houses are about as nice as the one you want to live in, you're gonna 
you only have to sell 10 of them to get that 10% commission to pay for your own house. So, oh. It's good math. Quick maths. I, I think, yes, he can, he can pay for his house. So he's a real estate agent in the greater Los Angeles area, and it is estimated that he is paying 76% of his monthly income Damn, to rent. Damn, so I got that one wrong. He is... So apparently the actual house shown on this show was put up for auction recently and it was like $2.5 million or something. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. But how do they know how much he's selling houses for? What if he's an upscale real estate agent? Some real estate agents make good money. Uh, you're right. There is that episode about him being a power agent <laughs> in uh, early season two. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. This is a little guy named Ross Geller. Okay, okay. He is... From the show Friends, or as I know in my home country, Amigos. <laughs> he is, I don't think he's, well, he's a professor in later seasons, but I think he spends most of the show just working at a museum before he works as a professor, um, teaching, uh, uh, what's the study of dinosaurs called? Uh, paleontology. Paleontology. Study of fossils. <laughs> literally i sound like phoebe from the show and all of them not knowing like they're just talking about him liking dinosaurs um homo erectus i would say no he's one of the people who can't afford that beautiful apartment in new york on a paleontologist salary just working at a museum okay i'm gonna give you his job because i agree i thought he was there longer it was professor is what's listed professor professor still like he wasn't on a tenured track or anything he taught one course i don't i don't think that would pay very well in the canonical episode that we discussed earlier, he's one of the three in the group who yeah, can yeah, afford yeah. the fancy restaurant. Is this calculated for pre or post tenure episode? <laughs> I have no idea, dude. <laughs> uh, it's estimated that he makes one hundred and fourteen thousand a year, and that he's spending about forty percent of his monthly income uh, okay. on rent. I'll, I'll take. I'll take so that. He for that cannot one. technically afford. Yeah. Even though my answer flipped, I'll take that. Okay, our first repeat frank underwood okay president but his housing Good. is free oh but it's not till later seasons that he becomes president so he lives in a townhouse in the first season are, are we calculating bribes and underhanded <laughs> as part of income as part of income um I, I don't uh no but i will say you should go with your first instinct for how much he's paying for rent oh zero okay yeah, yeah. Then yes, he can afford <laughs> he's it. He's president. He makes four hundred thousand a year, and he pays zero in rent, so he's fine. Oh, okay. I didn't. So they weren't doing the season one where he lived in a townhouse. No, no, no. Back to the Friendsiverse, the extended Friends universe. Oh, extended. Is this Gunther? I don't even know if we ever see his apartment. This is Rachel Green. Oh, okay. Oh, well, this one is hard because I don't know if they're going to count her time as a waitress or if they're going to count her time working as like head of like fashion uh procurement or whatever like buyer she's she became a fashion buyer i'm gonna give my same uh, impression from earlier and say i think a lot of times it's what their last job was in the series okay so she's some sort of fashion buyer for ralph lauren which i have no idea how much that pays but i'm gonna say no she cannot afford that massive beautiful apartment based on her being an executive at ralph lauren at ralph lauren making a hundred thou uh, she's expected to pay 23% of her monthly uh, income on rent. And I actually kind of consider that one a bit of a trick question because I think for most people, that's like the big example of like... Well, yeah, but it's early hey, season when friends. she's a waitress, right? That people have issues with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alrighty. This next question is about everyone's favorite boy, Nick Miller. Nick Miller, Nick Miller from the streets of Chicago where the players play in the 
I'm trying. Oh, he's a bartender. Yeah. Um, and he lives in a loft with four people total. One of them is a new girl and three guys. Yeah. So one fourth of a San Francisco loft. Wait, or LA loft? I, I think LA actually, not San Francisco. My bad. So one fourth. Of, I thought they lived in Chicago for the longest time. <laughs> one fourth of an LA loft on a bartender salary. I mean, some bartenders can make uh can make bank, especially because it's part part of their income's under the table because they don't have to declare it on taxes since it's tips and if it's really busy. But I'm gonna say one fourth is what makes me think it might be possible. But I'm gonna say no, just because bartenders might have a pretty low like annual salary on the books. All right, Paul, I got good news and bad news for you. You are correct. He cannot afford to live there. He should be evicted immediately. <laughs> you are incorrect that when the series ends, he is a bar co-owner, Oh, okay. not a bartender. He actually buys the bar with uh, Winston, I think, or with uh, the Schmitt. later seasons were really bad. So I didn't pay too much attention. Our next question concerns everyone's favorite boy. Mike Ermintrout. <laughs> I, I know I know the name, but why am I blanking on it? Mike Ermintrout. Oh, he's from uh, Breaking Bad. He's, uh, he's Mike yeah, from Breaking yeah. Bad. Um, he's... Un- <laughs> Wait, oh, this is illegal, people? Like, how do they know how much he makes off the books? I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> Wherever he lives in... Right? That show is in Phoenix, Arizona? Takes place. I thought I was in Chicago for the longest time. <laughs> 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 so i'm gonna say yes i mean whatever gus is paying him to do whatever he does i mean unless you count his job at the end of the show which is dead in which case no he cannot pay for his house oh. paul as much as capitalists want it to be a job being dead is not a job <laughs> okay so generalized criminal and gus fring uh hoodlum i think pays well enough to own a house in arizona I'm going to give you both points for that one. So his technical title is Head of Los Pollos Hermanos Security. But anyways, yeah. So I won't be too hard about that one. Yeah, you you get both points for that one. Okay, this is a fun one. Dennis Mac and D. Co-owners of a bar in Philadelphia. I'm going to say yes, because their apartments are trash. And technically, since it seems like they're going in this article for co-owners, like they're going by how much you would usually make. And an owner of a bar seems like a pretty good salary. Obviously, in-universe, they have to live in squalor because they own a bar that gets no no patrons and makes no money. But the methodology of this article seems to be going by averages. And I think bars in Philadelphia probably do well, and their apartments are probably pretty cheap. So, yes, they can afford it. All right, Paul's getting really meta with his strategy here. Uh, you are correct on both counts. They are pub co-owners. And I think mostly based on the fact that they're expected to have very cheap rent. They are... Uh, well within their ability. Well, actually, they're at twenty-seven percent, so they're like right at the uh, edge uh-huh. of like making enough money to be on the correct ratio. Yeah, that's one where it's almost like it's almost like if you ask me my actual opinion, it'd be like no, their bar seems to get no, <laughs> seems to get no business, and they seem to spend all their money on hijinks that don't work out. <laughs> <laughs> on hijinks. <laughs> oh god. Okay. All right, so this is from Paul's favorite show. This question concerns one Mr. Leonard Hofstetter. Oh, um, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's Bazinga. <laughs> Big Bang Theory. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's Bazinga. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's a theoretical physicist, um, and he works at a university um doing research i don't think he teaches but i mean research grants are pretty lucrative um 
and he lives in an apartment. I don't know what city he lives in, but it seems like their apartment is, it's not like, it doesn't seem like it's in the middle of the city. It seems like it's kind of like a reasonable apartment. It's really Penny, who's a waitress, who lives right next to the two theoretical physicists splitting rent, but somehow affords her rent. That makes no sense. But I will say, yes, Leonard. Oh, wait, is, Leonard isn't the theoretical physicist. The, the like, autistic one is. Um. Uh, okay, cool. All right. Well, Paul, you really dug yourself out of the mud on that one because he is not a uh, theoretical physicist. He is an experimental physicist. Right. So at the very end, you clutch that one back. Uh, and yes, apparently they are well above their, their ability to pay for the apartment that's shown in the show. Okay, nice. Although, weird thing was the estimated discrepancy in their salaries. Apparently it's expected that uh, Sheldon is expected to make twice as much as uh, Leonard based on their job titles. I think in the show, Sheldon's like almost on a track to win a Nobel Prize though. So it kind of makes sense that he would be like really well funded by grants and whatnot. Whereas sure, Leonard sure, sure. is supposed to be like more just like a workaday physicist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You do know the lore of that show so well. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> uh, okay. This one concerns one Mr. Mitchell Pritchett. I don't know who this is. Of modern family fame. Okay. He is everyone's favorite ginger boy. The child? I don't think he can afford that house that his dad can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that is someone with the last name Dunphy. What's his name? Luca? Oh, no, that's oh, okay, real name? yeah. Uh, this is the the one who's married to the uh, to the other one, to the other guy. Yeah, you got it, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I honestly can't remember what he does in the show. I can't remember their jobs at all. So I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say no. He can't afford where he lives. All right, Paul, I think that is only your second double no, or double wrong. Um, Mitchell Pritchett is a lawyer in the show, okay. and he can't afford the, the house that he lives that in. That makes sense. What season oh. did they get the uh, Asian child? Because, I mean, before that, they were a gay couple on, like, income together, living together, so that seems like they could, I should definitely guess. They, they were a couple of dinks. Yeah, yeah, double income, no kids, and that seems like they could definitely yeah. afford whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also a, a, a genuinely kind of interesting storyline where he quits his, like, he actually, he does, so, precedented again by the phenomenal Will and Grace, which is kind of the archetype that all shows base their shows on. Um, but much like Will and uh, Will and Grace, uh, he's a gay lawyer who at one point decides to quit doing corporate law to, like, try and do meaningful law, and he, like, tries to do environmental justice law. Oh, yeah, so I will say really quickly, now that we're talking about this, I did not include any How I Met Your Mother because I don't consider it to be a good enough show to make this quiz, and for that same reason, The Office is missing from this quiz. I respect both those decisions. Yeah. But you put in the Big Bang Theory, that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, shout out to you, what a, what a good troll. Hey, man, hey, hey, respect where it's due, you know what I mean? Okay. This is actually one where I don't know if you know this show well enough, but uh, this is, uh, let me know if you need last names, but this is Blake, Adam, and Anders. Oh, this is, uh, this is, they work at a call center, and this is um, uh, Workaholics. Um, I'm gonna say Mm -hmm. no, the three people who work at a tech call center can't afford, uh, it is like a ranch house, but I do think they live in a really nice it looks like it's on a nice street with, like, nice palm trees and stuff and a big wide road. 
This one is tough. This one is tough. I'm going to say it has a pool, though. The pool, if that's factored in, I think definitely increases. I'm going to say no, they can't afford that house. All right. So I think you got it close enough. They are telemarketers. Uh, but according to this, they can't afford it. Oh, damn. I do not know in the methodology how they weight bodies of water uh, <laughs> on the residents, but uh, I don't know if it made it to it. But yeah, again, this is another one where we said that Ross couldn't afford his apartment. And I saw other articles that I looked at that said he absolutely could. Same thing. We're like on a list of like less credential, but like BuzzFeed had one where they were like, their house is beautiful. They definitely couldn't afford this house. And that was about the extent of their evidence. But they're in Rancho Cucamonga. You know what I mean? I think they're they're probably OK. This is Rosa Diaz. Rosa Diaz is, yeah, she's the, uh, she's one of the cops from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Hashtag uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is copaganda. So I'm going to say no. They can't afford wherever they live. She's a detective. You got that correct. And uh, according to a detective's salary, they cannot afford where they live. Elaine Bennis. I'm trying to think about what she did for a job. They don't really get into her. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Because she works for like, at one point she works for like that rich. She works for that family feud host. She works for that rich guy as a personal assistant. And she has to get him socks. Um, That's one episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's like maybe like a half season arc. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what she does mostly. (laughs) Um, Oh, no, she works for uh, Jay Peterman. The Jay Peterman catalog, mostly. And I think she's a writer. Yeah, she writes their catalog. I don't, I can't imagine a writer for the J. Peterman catalog gets paid. Yeah, I'm going to say no, she can't afford her apartment in New York. Paul, bang on. Writer? No, she can't afford her apartment, technically. Okay. All right, Paul, next to last question. Everyone's favorite new girl, Jessica Day. Okay, she is a elementary school teacher for a bunch of uh, horrible little children. Oh my god, I wish I remembered the answer. I mean, if the co-owner of the bar could afford it, I'm gonna say no. Elementary school teachers aren't paid that well. They are usually unionized in California, but I don't know if that ups their pay enough to live in a big loft. All right. Paul, you somehow were able to get three things wrong in that one. I don't know how. (laughs) She's not an elementary school teacher? (laughs) Uh, No, she is a middle school vice principal at the end of the show. Oh shit, I forgot. Uh, and moreover, uh, you said that Nick was able to live there. He was not. Okay. That was a part of that oh, question. Then, yeah, she, no, and she can't then. She is able to what? afford to live there. Wait, so middle school vice principals are paid more than, than bar owners? Than bar co-owners? I'm not sure how they did it, but it seems like they accounted for the fact that Nick's bar doesn't do well. <laughs> Because they account for his salary to be twenty three thousand a year, whereas Jessica's is fifty eight thousand five hundred for being a middle school vice principal. Okay, I guess they both really benefit from like being a fourth of the like they have to pay a fourth of the cost of that loft. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> All right, Paul. I think you've already beaten the odds, but are you ready for your final judgment? Yes. Our last question concerns the very famous iconic if i can use that word carrie bradshaw she is from sex and the city and she's a columnist for um the new yorker she writes an not an advice column she just writes a general lifestyle like column weekly often summing up what happens throughout that episode um 
Almost like a storytelling device? Yeah, almost like a storytelling device. <laughs> but I think it wasn't. I think it was just a coincidence that she happened <laughs> to write a column. Um, yeah, sure. Well, no, no, her apartment's really big, but I don't know if that's when she's living with Mr. Big or... No, because that's the whole controversy in one of the episodes is that she still owns her apartment even though she's spending all her time at Mr. Big's and, like, is engaged to him. She doesn't want to sell her apartment. So she definitely has her own. You know way more about sex in the city than I realize. <laughs> um, so uh, if she just has one column, I don't know how well that pays as a writer. Okay, I'm going to say no, actually. I think it's a pretty nice apartment, and I think she only has the one column. Okay, you are correct. She's a columnist writer. And in a very Rachel Green-esque way, Carrie is another person where people have calculated that her monthly expenses are probably in the $7,000 range. And she writes one <laughs> column a month <laughs> for the New Yorker. So there is absolutely no way she could afford the lifestyle that she leads. Yeah, that is uh, that's another big one. Let me tally up your total score. What are we trying to get? 12, 20, 21, 22. Of a total of how many potential points? 38. Okay, nice. I'm proud of that. Still crushed it, yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm proud of that as much as I've spent way too much time watching fucking television. <laughs> hey, these are all iconic shows, you know. Oh, that was really fun, buddy. I, 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 I like thinking about in-universe lore or in-universe rules to these things. It's, like, weirdly entertaining. It, like, sparks a, a problem-solving center in my mind in a weird way. I don't know. Big fact, no cap, and head out. Yeah, I mean, let's do that. Yeah, I think my no cap is uh, for the week is I think we kind of strayed away from getting too serious about this because otherwise it would have been a huge bummer of an episode. But take some time to, you know, I think being intersectional is kind of hip and cool now. And don't forget every part of being intersectional in class is a big one. And so think about it every now and then and maybe read about it every now and then. And my big fact is never accept a job from Moe's Southwestern Grill. It's a horrible place for horrible people. Heard it here first, folks. Uh, do accept a Trader Joe's job and 50-50 on whether or not you should work at Tokyo Grill, to be honest. I mean, the owner's kind of racist, but what are you going to do? Calls them out on your podcast years later. Uh, okay, yeah. All right, Paul, This is uh, it's been a fun time. It's been a good time. Been good vibes. Bye, buddy. God damn, next thing hit a nigga in his head with this one. I'm going to paint the city red with this one. I'm ahead with this one. See you fucking with the ball. Two toys way before Christmas. No assistance, just that persistence with that commitment. If I don't get it, somebody going to die tonight. I know my vibe is tight and I deserve the throne. And if the kid ain't right, then let me die in his own. See, I be riding just riding alone with my daddy on my mind like you got to be kidding to see your prince do his thing Sometimes I wanna drop a tip But no emotions from a king She'll be so I be Who I be, that's me That's easy F, baby And please say the motherfucking So I be Who I be That's me That's easy F, baby And please say the motherfucking Baby, you gotta know